Hello. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Moses, Moses, Modi, Mo, Mobley, Mobley. <laughs> Anyways, hoop and holler. You already know what it is, man. Shout out Perk. I hope he's okay because it sounded like he wasn't for a second there. But we all have our faults. We all have our moments, including us here at Hoop and Holler. We're gonna. If you listen in, you tune in, you'll hear some of the BS that we be talking about sometimes. But that's all in good fun, gentlemen. Back at it again. We've been recording a lot over the past couple of days. I think it's good though. Like I'm glad we're recording a lot because like there was a like a minute where we didn't. So it's like you know get back in the swing of things a little bit. So how y'all doing today? Doing pretty uh, average, I'd say. So average. I don't know. After that trade yesterday. NBA All Star. You're average. What? We'll get into that. Eddie, how well, are you doing? Yeah. I'm doing great. Just came back from the uh, dentist, which sucks, but, you know, haven't been to, like, I guess the doctors or dentists because of COVID in, like, forever. So, you know, it feels like they like they take your entire, like, gums out or whatever. And anyways, I, I feel like that's too much detail already for the for the podcast. It's just it's kind of gross. Any cavities? Nah, Do you guys like, have wisdom teeth grown out Yeah. I have room for you coming in right now. Actually. I have, I have, tooth? I have all of mine, and they don't bother me, so I'm not taking really. Them out. Yeah, that's I, what's I got that's all four taken out like a while ago. Yeah, mine's just like poking out of my gum right now. Folks are probably tuning in like, "What the hell are they talking about?" But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> glad to hear that you did not have any cavities, Eddie. That's very admirable of you. Um, wish I could say the same of myself, but I be having cavities sometimes. But Enough about teeth. Let's go ahead and talk. Get into the teeth of this episode. <laughs> Thank you. I'm here all week. All right. NBA draft last night. We'll get into that. Russell Westbrook is a Laker. We'll get into that. But before all of that, your boy Julio, hashtag free Bradley Beal. We got to put that on pause because it seems like he's staying in Washington for at least another year. Got to get your thoughts on it. It'll it'll eventually come to a point where he can't handle it anymore and he gets tired. He he's he's comfortable with his family. He's comfortable being number one. He's comfortable with the money. Obviously, um, your your home team, the team that drafts you, can obviously pay you the most. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's eventually gonna get tired of it. He he's super young. I think he's only twenty seven, still. Really? I thought he was like twenty eight, twenty nine. So Let's see. I mean, after oh, this true. next contract. He might be looking to bounce after that or in the middle of it. Really, at the end of the day, they're going to get no one around him knowing that organization. I mean, I know we didn't really have this on the slate, but Spencer Dinwiddie saying, oh, I know I can be a great fit next to Bradley Beal. Sure. But him saying, I really think we can build a big three here. That's just straight delusion. You cannot. You, Beal, Beal's one. 
you are not part of a big three. Hachimura, even less so. So, I mean, he, he'll get tired of it. He'll get tired of it. Is that who Dinwiddie was talking about? Yes. Yes. Interesting. That was the third. I feel like you have three. to at least have a, a, a second player to, to call it a big three. But That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. Otherwise, otherwise, you know, like, I don't know. What's an example? Like, you can call... um. Damn, I'm just. I, I think you can I'm call the freaking Jazz a big three. I don't know. Yeah, you can call. Uh, that, the jazz. That's even better though. That's even better yeah, though. I would consider the Jazz to be like a big three. Mike Conley was almost. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like, right, didn't so. we say, like, him, Jeremy Grant, and like Sadiq Bay can be the next big three? Or yeah. Something. Like, I feel like you can't just pick names and just be like, like you're just forming yeah. trios Bay's. at that point. I mean, it's 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 pretty ridiculous. Like he he's gonna get tired of that. He he has to get tired of it. And if not, you're just comfortable. You're just very very comfortable losing, and, and that that's fine. But you'll just never be a winner. But that's, you're not making it sound like it's very fine. That's completely fine with if you if you like that. If you like losing, I mean that's that's good for you. Yeah. I mean, I I do think we do have to retire the hashtag free Bradley Beal, because you know yes, we do we can't like you just can't liberate. A, a people who don't want to be liberated, unfortunately. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Get that that's a little OG. Okay. A little, like, a little too far. What, but what is he? Have, my my thing is like, what does he have to be liberated from? From a bat? No, no. I, okay. I mean, as it's a, not. You it's, you say this all the time. As an NBA fan, I love fun, and what's fun to me, at least my definition of it, the best players on the best teams on the biggest stages. He will never get to a good – he will never be on a good team in Washington, and he will never get on a big stage. That's a waste of, of, of a player's talent and just immense – just hard work, in, in my opinion. So that, that's how I view it. Like, that's just a waste. See, I can, waste. I can sort of agree with what you're saying, Reagan. Like, what, what does he need to be free from? And I think last year, it didn't seem like he was having a lot of fun, you know? Like, he, he was kind of – Oh yeah, he was, he was yeah, looking kind of sad on the bench, or whatever. And I mean, he had to play next to Russell Westbrook, which we will get into, you know, in further detail later on. But I'm looking at some of the moves they made, and again, I said this in the chat. I'm not saying they're gonna, uh, you know, even make the second round or you know, win a championship. But listen, he has a pathway to you know, average like 35 points a game again. Like he has competent role players around him. Like I think KCP. Like, he's been a good player the last two years. Kuzma, like, I know people hate on him, but let's not pretend like he can, you know, not be a good player. Like, Thomas Bryant's still there. I think Hachimura is, is cool. Um, they have other young players who will actually step into a role that won't be hindered by Russell Westbrook, you know, roadblocking their development. Uh, they got Kispert, like... This team will be fun, you know? <laughs> like, Bradley Bradley Holy Beal... Shit, Bradley bro. Beal... <laughs> again, Bra- Bradley Beal can have fun again because he'll be playing on a team that doesn't get in his way. In fact, I think it'll maximize him even more. And look, I think he's he's proven to us... He's proven to us that he doesn't want to compete for a championship right now. That's not his priority. He yeah, wants to get his 35 right. a game and, you know, not play on a team that looks like they're, you know, and stuck in great. mud. So... Again, I am not. I am not gonna lecture Bradley Beal on on telling yeah. you what his yeah. life priorities should be. I'm not, you know, a life mm-hmm. coach. I'm just a basketball fan slash analyst, and I'm sure what he wants is just to have fun. And I think that Wizards team will actually be 
pretty fun that, next year. That's completely fair. But then you can't complain. You just you can't complain. Later later this season, after this season, you 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 can't complain. You already knew 2 years ago. You will never win here. So you can't complain. I don't, I don't like, think he was complaining about like I don't want to see you moaning on the bench and God, but like if your team sucks, I feel like there's space to complain. <laughs> your team is going to continue like the, to suck. Bro, it, there's a difference between saying the Washington Wizards will never win a championship and the Washington Wizards will never build a competent basketball team. I think they will never like, build. Now you have a competent basketball team. They can't build a competent basketball team. They, We've seen no, Bradley Beal play on. Competent they will never get out of the first round. I mean, he, I think he'd be cool with that. I mean, he made the I mean, he cool made the that. second round like not that long ago. I mean, it was a totally different iteration of the team, but it's it's like it's not like the Wizards have been utter garbage during his tenure there. Like they're not they're not a particularly good organization, but they've made the playoffs I think like three times, and and again I think they built a competent roster around him next year, like one that will fight for the play-in spot, but you know play exciting basketball. I'm not especially saying- since it seems like Dinwiddie wants to be there. I don't know if the Nets are gonna accept Kuzma and Trez, but if Dinwiddie wants to be there, perhaps there's an avenue through which he can get there. And now you're talking about like a. You know, if, as far as the Eastern Conference goes, you can you can make the playoffs with that team. Sure. Holy shit! All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I did want to pat myself on the back here because I was saying through and through through the whole hashtag Free Bradley Beal, he ain't going nowhere. He's it's gonna eventually happen. Wants though. to go. It's gonna eventually happen though. I think he signs the extension. That's fair. That'll bring him to thirty years old, and then he'll he'll leave. He's twenty eight now. I don't he's twenty eight. I thought he's twenty six. He's twenty. I mean, that'll bring him to thirty two. Mm. Players still get max contracts at that age. Yes, they do. Players get paid forty seven million dollars at age thirty four. We'll get into that later. <laughs> um, the draft. The draft was last night. Obviously, some moves happened that we're going to get into, but I did want to get like a general. You know, just take away from the draft about how. I mean, I don't, I tuned in Julio. I know that's not particularly your like interest. You don't like <laughs> young guys, so I don't know how much you no, right, uh, well, paid attention. But the the thing, the, the thing for me is I I'm I you know people fall in love with the top pick, the top two picks, or in this draft, I I guess it would be the top four picks, um, the top four guys. I I th- this draft did appeal to me more though because. Usually there's only one or two names, Zion, Zion, and Ja. Um, and then everybody else is like, you, you don't know them. But this time it was like four big names plus a whole bunch of interesting dudes that I've been hearing about in, in a super deep draft. Who, And, and this, this is where – see, I, I like the deeper parts of the draft or at least in the first round, even early parts of the second round because – I don't know. I just enjoy that much, much more than seeing the top guys get drafted. Because especially when it comes to my team, I want to see how if they if I think that they can develop into something and perhaps be a good role player. Like my favorite player in the draft last year is a guy on Reagan's team by the name of Desmond Bain. Like that that's a dude I really, really loved coming out of college. Um, so out of this draft, I, I think one of the mo- more interesting picks um, – 
was Sharif Cooper to mm. to the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta. I I think yeah. that's one of the like the most interesting picks just because me watching him play in high school and and uh, I think a few games in college or did he play a full season? Like half. he was injured, I think he's like half yeah. the season because of eligibility. Or no, he was dealing with like some eligibility yeah, stuff. Yeah. 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 So like he's obviously not the best shooter. He's not gonna. You know, he's not like a one-on-one score, but his IQ is just on a different level, in my opinion. And, like, his passing ability is just great. So, um, I- I'm not sure if his size will translate well to the NBA, but if you're in that position, why not take a chance on a guy like that who, you know, he, he, ha- he has the right head on his shoulders. So, um, yeah, I-, I thought that was the most interesting pick. The Hawks had an interesting draft. Um the Jalen Johnson pick was also like they went like high upside, but perhaps like low floor potentially as well in the later parts of the draft. Um, but you brought up a really good point about uh, like the you more and more we're seeing in the later parts of the draft guys get drafted that whose names ring a bell, and it's not just a bunch of dudes who's like, oh, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Um, and I think that has a lot to do with kind of the advent of the popularity of high school basketball. Um, and then kind of what becomes a disparity between what NBA fans and basketball fans, names that we know and pick up on, versus what NBA scouts and GMs are projecting to be the best NBA players, right? Um, a name that comes to mind would be like Brandon Boston, BJ Boston, right? That's a guy that everyone, you know, if you follow high school basketball, you know, he's a bucket, right? But he went to Kentucky, didn't have that good of a year, fell into the later part of the draft, still got picked up by the Clippers at what, 50? 51, 52. Something like that. Um, so it's like you, you still get to recognize some of these names. Mac McGlung, undrafted free agent. Sharif Cooper went late. Um, even a guy like Zaire Williams, he still went nine. That's relatively high. But, like, that's a guy we know him because he played at Sierra Canyon with Bronny and all of these guys, and they had something like a super team going there. Like, as high school pop or high school basketball becomes more and more popular, you're going to see a lot of these names, like, be recurring faces in, in, in the draft. So I think that makes it more fun. I think it does. Um, but, Eddie, what about you? What were some of your takeaways? Your team I'm, had an interesting night. Yeah, so – Obviously, I like watching the draft for draft sake, but of course, I also follow it for the Warriors' sake. And in my opinion, like I don't think the Warriors could have ended up with you know a better duo than what they ended up with in Kuminga and Moody. And I tweeted that, and you know, someone that Reagan, you and I both know, who often trolls a lot on Twitter, told me that my eyes suck and that Moses Moody really? is not shit. Oh, okay, but, I know who it was. Then. Yeah, <laughs> but again, in my in my eyes, and again, like I. I th- like a lot of people in, in I think draft circles start to get really insular with how they feel about players, and they're like, no, my like my opinion and my scouting it has to be like correct or whatever. Like everyone else is just you know like they like they don't know what they're seeing. But the truth is like I mean th- these are all players who um, you know it's like they're, they're mystery boxes. You know e- even Cade Cunningham like as sure as a prospect as a star prospect that has come around in a while he's he's still a mystery box as well. But you know personally to me like. Starting the draft with seven and fourteen, you end up with you know two wings, which is a position that the Warriors really need to develop. Um, Kaminga, like I know, the Warriors started really falling in love with him once they realized he could be available. Like I, I, I understand the pick. I, I didn't really love it. I mean, Moody was a guy that Reagan, you know, like I, I'm, I really like a lot, and him being there at fourteen mm-hmm. really changes it for me, because. In my eyes, like, for example, if the Warriors just took Moody at 7 and for whatever reason Kuminga fell at 14, like, that would be an, you know, absolutely, like, amazing scenario, right? But if you just flip it around, it's like, okay, you still ended up with the same two dudes. 
um, and the Warriors hired a bunch of like player development people. So I, you know, I understand maybe why they're taking like you know two teenagers instead of you know a twenty-four year old in, in Duarte, um, and and he wouldn't have been available anyways because he was taking thirteen. So, yeah, I, I I mean, I was ready to be disappointed, I guess, by the Warriors draft because uh, I don't always think the front office knows what they're doing. But luckily, other teams seem to know less about what they're doing. Because the Kings took Davion and then the Pacers took Duarte before we had a chance to know them. So, I mean, yeah, I, I guess, I mean, I, I'm pretty ecstatic with what the Warriors ended up with. And um, and, and then the draft in general was really like a crapshoot in the lottery, which I think is cool because um, a lot of fans or I guess even uh, uh, draft heads think that, like, you know, the picks should kind of follow the consensus of what mock drafts are. But I don't know if you know, teams care about the mock drafts at all. I, I'm pretty sure they don't. Mm-hmm. So even when someone's like, I can't believe San Antonio picked Primo at 12. Like, to me, like, Primo's a really interesting dude, and if they really um, love him, like, who knows whether he would have been there at, like, 13 or 15 or even 20, right? Like, maybe other teams love him. So, again, it's just all about process with these teams. And, like, I'm, I'm never going to be – like, I'm never going to be so – facetious to think that I know better than what these NBA teams who pour millions into scouting and player development and you know like all of these resources to look at these players since they're like 14 or 15 that they somehow know less than I would know from like some YouTube highlights so again I don't I don't like judging teams and saying that like they lost draft night they won draft night like they like they know what they're doing they don't know what they're doing but I don't know I think all in all it's just it, it, it was pretty cool to see how it played out Davion Mitchell, you mentioned. Go go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say. Sorry. Davion Mitchell to the Kings, bro. That was. That's super. Like, I'm like. I I don't even know what to think about it because how tall is he? How tall is he? 6'2. Barely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously going to be the backup to, to Fox and. Halliburton, but that three guard trio going forward, that's pretty lethal in my opinion. Like that that's you have lethal. a lot of versatile skilled dudes for sure. Yeah, like you have lethal. a lot of skill sets between and to that point, if I feel like that definitely means Buddy Heald is going somewhere. Yeah. Might not be the Lakers, but he's going somewhere else. Um but to your point, Eddie, I, I feel like we, we kinda get caught up in these uh cycles of the draft and then watching how dudes pan out and if they don't pan out it's like well what were you thinking at the point of the draft but to me the draft is like it's less about who do we think is the best player and more about who do we think is the guy that we can come in and cultivate and groom into being the player we think they can become because once they come into your organization now it's incumbent upon you more so than it is on them right obviously for their own purposes of you know making their money or being the best player they can be it's a contingent on how hard they're willing to work, but you have to put them in the position to succeed as an organization now. So I feel like a lot of what we perceive to be as failures of players is a lot of failures of organizations. So, yeah, the draft, like you said, is a lot of it is like somewhat of a mystery box and not knowing, but if you trust yourself and you trust your organization to develop a guy, by all means, you take the guy at whatever position you're, you're, you're going to take him at, whether that's, you know, a reach or if he falls to you, like... It's now upon you to, like, make sure that he's the best player that he can become. And as long as the guy isn't, like, an asshole, as long as he's not lazy, then it should be, like, it's really in your hands what you can do with it at that point as an organization. All of these guys are world-class basketball players, so they wouldn't be here if they weren't. 
that conveyor belt of black a- or not necessarily just black athlete, but the conveyor belt of athletes on the trend to the NBA, like <laughs> there's no way that you don't do a good enough job of weeding out who's good and who's not by the time we already get to this point because so much, like you said, Eddie, is put into it from such a young age. You talk about these AAU tournaments, eyeball, all, all of this stuff. Like at this point, we know what's what. It's about cultivating that into NBA talent. Absolutely. That was a long-winded way of saying don't fuck this up if you're in an NBA organization because now it's your fault. Um, but yeah, what was I, I guess what was like your favorite pairing from the draft last night? You mentioned Sharif Cooper, Julio. What was your favorite pairing from last night, Eddie? I actually, um, like I thought about it. I really like what your Memphis Grizzlies did with picking Zaire at ten, even though he might have been right. he, like he might have been there at seventeen, and y'all might have taken like fifty million dollars just to take the same player you would have had at seventeen. But again. You know, these things, you like, everyone, like, falls in love with, like, pick value, whatever, you know. Like, take take the player that the organization really likes, and I think Zaire is the type of player that, again, like, you talked about how Memphis needs wings, right, to develop a young wing, and I think he's the sort of player that will fit really well in the sort of long-term plan of the organization. Right. And it was, it was that one was interesting to me, because, like, definitely at the time that it happened, I'm thinking, Moody, 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 he's right there, go get it. Um, but Zaire's like one risk, like, ah, oh, I'm not mad at it, but it's like, that's a little more risky just given the year that he had at Stanford. And obviously, you had a whole lot of, uh, I guess, uncontrollable variables, whether it was COVID, whether it was traveling, whether it was injuries, um, that may have contributed to it. But yeah, Zaire's a guy, if we're, took, if we're looking at, if the Grizzlies were coming into the draft saying, we're going to come out of this draft with our wing score, there may have been no one with higher upside than Zaire Williams. But, again, the floor is a tad bit lower than a lot of other dudes, given what we saw last year. But, again, if you're the Grizzlies and you think you can cultivate that talent, which there's no reason to think that they can't, given what they've done over the past couple of years, by all means, let it fly on that dude. And, uh, yeah, I, like now that he's in the organization, you wish him all the best, right? That The one thing that I was a little bit concerned with, and this might just be like overthinking, but I don't know how I feel about taking a SoCal dude and dropping him in Memphis. I don't know how long he's going to want that, to stay. That, no, no. Th- those are things that you should never overlook. Like, pe- I, I feel like people don't look at that enough. Like, that's underestimated. When I, I always think of players as attitude, or maybe not attitudes, but just like, I hate to say backgrounds and, yeah, just attitudes and, and how they, and, I mean, you context. know, media portrayals don't always help that. But I always think about it in that context. Like, if I drop this dude and his maturity maturity level no matter if it's high or low how is he going to react in la you know so mm-hmm. it's a no it's a good point it's a valid point i'm not even necessarily thinking about it from a maturity level standpoint i'm thinking about it like a organizational longevity i am somebody who lived in california and moved to memphis right i know what that experience was for me and I went to college back in California as soon as I could, right? So it's like, if I grew up in Southern California and I went to Memphis and I got drafted in Memphis, you know, is that going to be somebody who at one point is like going to be like, this shit is kind of boring. Let me go ahead and dip out of there. But that's like, again, that could be overthinking. You know they went through the draft process of asking him and interviewing him. I'm sure as a player, your coach would be like, yeah, I would love to come to Memphis and ingratiate myself in that city and become part of that culture. But it's like... You know, you get there and it's, you ain't got, we ain't got Disneyland and we ain't got, you know, 
Universal Studios and there's no Hollywood and all that yeah, fun I stuff. I don't like even think that's that. what LA people care about, you know, if you're from LA. But I mean, point, yeah. but but point being though, if you hit on a prospect, you get like seven years of team control of him. Like you'd rather have that than take a player who you think would, you know, Facts. like Memphis, Facts. but he only has mm-hmm. two years in the league because he sucks, right? So make yeah, make something happen in that freaking seven years. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Chip coming, chip coming. We'll get into it. But speaking of chips coming, <laughs> let's go ahead and get it popping. The biggest thing that happened yesterday was with the Los Angeles Lakers, and it was not their signing of undrafted free agent Joel Ayayi, which is something that I very much liked, by the way. We don't have to talk about that. But let's talk about the elephant in the room. Russell Westbrook is, you know, if all things go the way they should, will be a Los Angeles Laker next season. Julio's worst nightmare. Holy shit. Eddie's dream. Holy fuck. <laughs> no, I'm playing. Um, it's, you, you know, it's, uh, I mean, okay, so number one, I, I just want to st- say that, and I think we're all in agreement here, uh, us three and Cam, that we think that the Shout Lakers had two options on the, on the table, and that was the Buddy Heel trade, and that was the Russell Westbrook trade. And they went, they picked. It's not like they, they, they were forced to or it was back up. No, they picked the, the Russell Westbrook trade. Now, the trade for Huddy, or Buddy Heald, I'm sorry, um, was supposed to be. Huddy Beald. Huddy Beald. Nah, but Hoodie. For, Hoodie. for Buddy Heald was supposed to be KCP and. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Trez and Kuz plus the pick. And for Russell Westbrook, it was that same three uh, uh, pairing plus KCP. I'm. Sh- do you guys all agree that the the better choice is to go with Buddy Hill? Yeah, I don't know. I I mean I think so just for keeping KCP purposes. You don't you don't you don't think so, Reagan? We can get into it, but finish your point. I, I'm interested in what you have to say. Okay, so that's number one. Number two uh, on the Russell Westbrook thing. There's only three. Three big pros that can come out of this Russell Westbrook trade. Number one, he wasn't a, a, a free agent, so that means we didn't sign and trade for him, which means we don't become hard cap. Number two, he brings something that Braun and AD lack, something that Kobe brought every night, and, and that's kind of um, – and yes, that's a little bit of Braun's personality, but it's also because of his age. He can't bring it every night. And that's just the motor that's required to just push the offense, push the ball, and, and just galvanize the troops every night. And LeBron can't do that, and I don't blame him. A, it's not his game and, or personality. And B, again, it's he's been playing in the league for 18 years, 17 years. Like, There's no way you're going to do that on a nightly basis. So whether you're going to go sit at some games out – or when you go to the bench, Russell Westbrook is a dude that can bring that intensity, that motor, and just push the offense and keep it going, um, um, e- even though his decision-making can be questionable at times. And number three, I think we're doubling, tripling, quadrupling down, just like Eddie's uh, uh, mantra, on just being big, right? And so when we won the championship uh, two years ago, we weren't a great three-point shooting team. The Bucks this past year. Not a great three-point shooting team. So I think the mentality that they attacked it from was like, hey, Braun is Braun, always going to be attacking the inside. AD, obviously, 
His most most of his punishment goes on the inside. And Russell Westbrook can't shoot a lick from the outside or from the mid-range. His damage is done on the inside. So we're just going to triple down on just beating teams inside and hopefully surround ourselves with with, with as m- much or, or as many shooters as possible to kind of help balance that out. But our main damage, our main focus is to be going inside. And that that's going to be our focus. Um, I don't love I don't love the trade, but that's ne- that's neither here nor there. We're already here, so um, th- those are the only three pros that I could come up with, in my opinion. You gonna go through the cons or? Holy shit! I, no, <laughs> we're gonna be here all day. I mean, it's the elephant in the room, right? Spacing, spacing, spacing. LeBron's an improved three point shooter, but it's not like that. That's the shot the teams are gonna. Give LeBron, him. LeBron's the Steph of- Curry out of these three. Sure. Maybe AD, <laughs> I mean, you know, like, I don't know. But point being, like, your spacing, in theory, is not going to be good. I feel like over the past, I guess, ever since I found out that this could be a possibility, I, I've mulled over the idea of fit versus talent, right? You brought up, like, a Buddy Heald would have been the better fit. Um, you would have gotten immediate shooting. But at the same time... I'm not sure it can be argued that talent in the NBA tends to prevail a lot. If if that talent is willing to participate in a sacrificial culture. And what I mean by a sacrificial culture is that unselfish talent prevails in the NBA. Julio, you look Mm -hmm. like you're opposed to that. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. James Harden can sacrifice not shoot 30 shots a game, and still be insanely effective. If you take the ball out of Russell Westbrook's hands or, or tell, even put it in his hands and tell him to play differently, he can't all of a sudden play and be as effective no, that, that, as James Harden true. without... That's not do- true. Maybe How? not as effective so. as James Harden, but we've seen Russell Westbrook play a different style of basketball when it was to the benefit of his team, and he played quite well. Yes. Did we not? But he, but LeBron is too ball dominant for him to be to play that same way, like he well, did in you're, Houston. No, no, you're, okay, yeah, you're saying LeBron is too ball dominant for him to play off of LeBron like he played off of Harden. Yeah, LeBron is just too ball dominant. That's that's not what I'm saying. Is that like it has to be a carbon copy of what that was? But as flawed as Russell Westbrook has shown himself to be at times, he's not someone who's unwilling to change as we've seen and part of what came out after this trade was the fact that russell westbrook anthony davis and lebron james had a meeting in los angeles and all amongst the three of them agreed they said we can do this but we're gonna have to put our egos aside we're gonna have to put those selfish parts of us aside and we're gonna have to adapt for each other for this thing to work and bring a championship back to la what have we seen since then News comes out, Anthony Davis is going to be playing a lot more minutes Center. at the five than yeah. he's used to, right? So yeah. what I'm saying is that, yes, in theory, if we're taking everything in a vacuum and saying we've known AD to be this, we've known LeBron to be this, and we've known Russell Westbrook to be this, those three things don't work. Yes, this is a little bit of a, a, of a janky fit. But if we approach this with the mentality of saying where can these talents coalesce in a way that makes sense? 
it's not something that immediately comes to me, but for three people that are as talented as these three basketball players, I think it can be done. So all of that's to say, if they hold to the uh, agreement that they made and say we're going to be unselfish and we're going to try to yeah. figure this out in the best way possible, I think it can be something good. That's totally fair. But how does that actually look on the court? You can say, oh, my goal is to make a million dollars. What are those steps that you're going to take to make a million dollars? I will attempt to jump in here to answer that question in terms of where do the three fit? Because at first, like, you know, a lot of people on the Internet, um, I was like obviously clowning the trade. Right. Because I know, Julio, you did not like, you know, you did not want to see this happen. You know, I I said Westbrook is going to be like. A mini Drummond, you know, like on the team, but you know, I've, I've <laughs> reanalyzed. I've, I've not Giannis Drummond. I've, I've reanalyzed, and you know, I've, th- I've thought about it, and um, you know, first, like Reagan, you, you know, like what's my favorite idealized player in the league? Center Westbrook. <laughs> exactly. So Center I was thinking Westbrook. about it, and you know, AD reported like right. He said, okay, I, I will agree to play more minutes at the five, but. What he really agreed to with Russell Westbrook on the team is playing a pseudo five. He'll actually, because of Westbrook on the team, AD will end up playing more of like a natural four because when you have Westbrook on the team, you'll have a player who will naturally eat up space at the rim, who will always penetrate, right? Who will always try to get, like suck the defense in at the rim and then from there, right, like make decisions um, whether it's to, you know, go for the layup dunk okay. or whether it's to, to go outwards. The thi- of course, like, the problem with Westbrook throughout his career has always been, you know, like, he has the ball so much in his hands and you just can't possibly ask a player to keep on driving, to keep on driving, that he ends up settling for, you know, those mid-range shots, those, you know, the, the bank midi shots that he loves to take or, you know, the, the, the threes that he does not hit at a high clip at all, right? He's like the NBA's worst volume three-point shooter ever. But, again, we saw it in Houston, center Westbrook, right? Like, he didn't really play center, but he was the space eater on the interior. But now you put him on the Lakers, and you play with a LeBron who used to, you know, always penetrate, but he's too old to, you know, he doesn't have the legs under him to always do that, right? But he's still a good facilitator. You have AD who's big, but he doesn't really play big. But if you have a space eater, that kind of remedies it because AD can still use his size as an advantage in terms of, you know, those mid-post moves, um, you know, like being able to still have players respect him as, you know, someone who is really big and really skilled, but a player who's not necessarily going to fight for position, going to fight for rebounds, going to impose his will. But Westbrook, even though he's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, right, he's going to impose his will on the interior. He's going to have to have defenses respect him when he drives to the rim. And in that, like, especially when you talk about the relationship between Westbrook and AD, even though it's, you know, a, a one and, and a, I guess, a five playing together, you really end up, again, having the sort of relationship where AD plays the four, Russ plays, like, the, the kind of ideal, uh, uh, idealized center, right? And, and again, like, I think it could really, like, work out in that sort of aspect. But again, like, the, the same questions of, like, spacing, um, you know, sh- like, shooting, like, they all, um, like, like, those are all, like, legitimate pressing questions and the only part that i think really would have like turned me away from the trade when you compare it to the potential buddy heel deal was the inclusion of kcp because thank you because even though everyone you know like jokes about ankle monitor kcp and you know whatever like you can't deny that he has been a really yeah 
positive role player to the Lakers the last two years. Mm -hmm. When you just talk about incredibly good perimeter point of attack defense, you know, 40% plus three-point shooting and, and like, reliable shooting in the playoffs as well. Um, Losing him is really difficult because I don't see an avenue to acquire a player like him via free agency, um, you know, with with the remaining assets and money and cap space that they have. Because you're looking at, you know, trying to replace him with, like, Wesley Matthews again or, you know, players of that caliber. So that's the only thing. You, You had to give up an extra piece on your team to get a player who is like you guys said a questionable fit right versus you could have gotten maybe a better fit in buddy healed and still kept a, a bona fide role player on that roster going into next season so that that's the part that made me question like what sort of decision making went into you know whether it's Polinka or whether it's lebron and ad who said do this deal to you know um really sacrifice quality depth for a, a quote-unquote star player who you will have to work around a lot to make, you know, the fit work. See that that that's that's uh, th- that's ultimately the deal breaker for me, KCP. Because when when I think of having KCP and Buddy Heald, those are your two starting shooters essentially. Those can be your two starting shooters, like very. That just put simple. Like th- those can be our two best shooters on the floor at the end of games that I can trust. That they can hit, maybe not big shots, but I, I can at least sort of rely on them to shoot the three at the end of the game. What you said kind of scares me, Eddie. You were saying Westbrook at the five. When I hear that, I hear AD, oh, I don't want to be in the paint. Oh, I'm going to be pushed outside. Oh, I'm going to start doing what I hate the most. You start shooting, and that shit pisses me off. Like, to start games, play on the inside, play big as hell... And just dominate in there. And this brings me to my next point. Who's going to have to step back, sacrifice, whatever? Obviously, all of them are going to have to do so uh, uh, to some extent. But who's going to have to step back and take that step back the most? AD can't. Why can't he, in my opinion? He needs to be the best player on our team for us to be winning consistently games, playoff series, and just dominate. He dominates on the inside. It leads him to dominating on the outside eventually. And he's just not the best scorer on our team, but he can score the most points on our team, right? And he's the one that needs to be most assertive. I I, I almost wish he had the Russell Westbrook kind of mentality added on into, into his game, infused into his game, so he could dominate as much as he does. Okay, he can't do it. Can Russ do it? In my opinion, no. He can't take a step back and sacrifice how everybody thinks he needs to sacrifice. Why? Because Why? if you if if you take that if you tell Russell Westbrook, hey, don't be Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is already kind of like a minus on the court. Sometimes a lot of times, some a lot of times he's a plus too. But a lot of times he's a minus. Now, if you tell him, hey, don't be aggressive. Don't be your best self. Don't do what makes you great. Essentially. That okay. That's not how. It then has to then, be, what do you? Why do I? Why do I have that's, you on my that's team? That's not how for? it has to be. I feel like aggression can be what in any sport. I feel like the most impactful, maybe not the most impactful, but I would argue that it could be the most impactful. And this is football. This is basketball. This is hockey. Maybe baseball, soccer, but like the ability to have controlled, channeled aggression, that is so powerful. He don't have in that. So many different ways. But what I'm saying is, it's not like he's incapable of restraint. 
a lot of people have this perception of Russell Westbrook that he's incapable of holding himself back and being and playing within a more confined role. I would argue that that's not been the case because we've seen him do that. I would argue that Russell Westbrook, when he's not on, and I, I don't want to use the word leash because that kind of insinuates that he's a dog or something. That's not the case. But when he's when he's not like confined within some sort of role and he feels like he has free reign to do whatever it is that he wants he's gonna go do whatever he wants because ultimately russell westbrook's a dude who has the mentality like i can put this thing on my shoulders and get it which i love but if you channel that and you say russell we don't need you to handle the ball and drive every time what we need you to do is be an aggressive tenacious uh you know defender what we need you to do is to be really good at cutting what we need you to do is to be able to penetrate and dish off to other people in a way that's productive to the offense. Like, it, if he can channel it, which I, I think it's more likely, honestly, than not that he's able to, it can, be some pump, it can become something, excuse me, that's really impactful. I don't think it's, like, fair to say that Russell Westbrook's incapable of restraint. This, this brings me to, to my larger point, though. At the end of the day, in my opinion, he still needs to be aggressive as hell and have the ball in his hands a lot. For him to essentially be worth, I mean, he's not going to be worth that contract at just in any situation, in my opinion. But for him to even be close or just closely resemble uh, 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 or just be effective on the court, he has to have the ball in his hands a lot. A lot. So the person. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true. Even when he was effective in Houston, why? Because he stopped shooting threes and he started driving to the paint. Every single time he freaking got the ball, like. But he I mean, was also like not taking the ball away from James Harden. What he talk? I mean, that, that's literally. I mean, what he was doing was not shooting threes and driving the basketball. He yeah, still had the ball like in James his hand. Hard- he still yeah, had I mean, the ball. But what in his I'm hand. saying is, his usage does not have to be insane. I'm not saying he doesn't have to. He, I'm not saying Russell Westbrook can like. You know, not have the ball. The ball is the thing that ultimately has to go in the cup, right? He's going to touch the thing. But what I'm saying is, it's not like he needs this 30% usage to be effective. How can he be effective off the ball? And that's the that's the beauty of what we get to figure out. I mean, to I me, like possible. he can be an amazing cutter and a roll man. It's just amazing whether, whether, cutter. Whether and, he will and I'm so glad to you be said that. Able man to, to, in the no, short no, no, no. role, I was going to bring a- that up. LeBron mm-hmm. as the PNR ball handler and Russell Westbrook as the screener in the short role could be lethal. To could be, be lethal. able, that, I I agree with that. And I wanted to bring up pick and roll uh, uh, a little bit after, but yeah, I agree with that. To be able to be a great cutter and and. In slasher, you have to at least be some sort of a threat, threat from the on the sure. outside. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That, that I mean, it's that simple. It's that simple. How do people get back? And, and not everything is a backdoor cut. How do people get backdoor cuts? Because the dude right, is on. The three point line. Is the dude going to be on Westbrook at the three point line? No, no. So, um, I, I okay. And then moving on to the uh, oh, my overall uh, larger point about everything I, that I was saying. The person I think that needs to be taking the back seat which sounds ludicrous is lebron he's the smartest one he's the best player and he's just the one that like he can get his 20 with that i I, in my opinion i feel without having the ball just being insanely ball dominant i guess and he can still be super effective without having uh, uh i guess a usage rate that you know russell westbrook is kind of accustomed to um, and then what was I going to say? Oh, the, the pick and roll stuff. 
I think this is one of the thing the pick and roll and the fast break. So for, first of, first of all, with the pick and roll, I think Westbrook with AD uh, uh, Westbrook handling the ball and, and AD se- setting the pick. Obviously, I think that can be very dangerous because Russell Westbrook he's not a great passer. He's not Rondo, but he is a good uh, uh, lob. He he throws very very good lobs, and his aggression when he drives to the rim is just really really good to have there with AD. Um, and then what you said I thought is the most interesting. That I that that I thought about earlier, LeBron running the pick and roll, handling the ball, and Westbrook setting the screen. This is one of the things that I thought was so intriguing about the Nets putting, uh, what, what's his name, Bru- yeah, Bruce Brown as a screener mm-hmm. because yeah, he a a, as a guard, you have a floater game, you have the ability to get the ball. And, you know, your, your footwork doesn't get messed up. You can do a little jab in the lane, throw up a little floater, attack, and Russell Westbrook is even more aggressive, bigger, longer, and just more athletic than Bruce Brown is. So that, that's one thing that can be super, super utilized. Um, and then the last thing was on the fast break. I, I think this, both of them can be insane on the fast break. You put two shooters next to them or next to those three, I mean, that's when it would look good. The, the issue is in the half court. And obviously, that's what happens in the playoffs. Stuff slows down, so that's where you got to figure it out. But um, yeah, I, I mean, it's yeah. just—it's a lot. It's a and lot. I mean, to be fair, right? Like when the Lakers won the chip two years ago, what was their formula? It wasn't like their half court offense was amazing, right? I think they were like league average during the regular season. They got better in the playoffs because their shooters started making more shots, and you know, AD started going insane. But again, they'll win with their defense, and they'll use their defense to create fast break transition opportunities. Um, again, so like another thing about Westbrook getting into like a more localized, specialized role instead of asking him to do everything is, and I, and I think I said this during his like MVP year, even when he was getting 30 point triple doubles, if he focused on, um, you know, his rebounding and his facilitating two things that he can be really good at and, you know, focus on his defense, which given his size and athletic tools should be, you know, a strength, right? If he really concentrated on it if he focuses on those three things especially in this lakers context right team context that's i think that that's a pretty valuable role player once those confluence of skills combine together the only problem again like i mean and we've already touched on it is if he starts doing too much excess stuff right if he starts doing the stuff that he's not good at but he thinks he can you know maybe be be good at is when you start running into issues so again, like it, it's fun. It's fun to clown on this trade, but like the more I think about it, the more it's like it. It ultimately like makes enough sense for the Lakers to to you, kind of pull the trigger on it. You you, you uh, imagine a lineup of, uh, I mean, I'm not even gonna say his name. I'll say a different name. Uh, I, I, sure, I'll even say no. Let, let's say let's say they brought back Dwight. And it was like Dwight, Ad, Braun, and Russ. That team would have been insane in 2014. 2014, that team's going nuts. Yeah, yeah. No, no, but um, I have two more things to say. Um, One thing that does concern me are the free throws. So late in games, Mm, um, late in games, obviously in the playoffs, free throws become a freaking premium. Like, that's a goldmine. You have to be able to hit your free throws. Over the last few years, the Lakers have been middle of the pack, towards the back, uh, maybe lingering a little bit towards the front, but always in the middle of the pack. And it's never, ever, ever a freaking strong suit. Russell Westbrook does not help that at all. Horrible from the free throw line, especially late in games. 
LeBron is LeBron. You know, he'll miss the first one, make the next one uh, once the pressure is off. AD is a really good free throw shooter. But my, my point is, I'm, I'm just, I just have to hammer this in. The last two guys have to be able to shoot the ball, shoot free throws, and just defend at a high, high rate. And that, that's where I feel like filling out this roster with role players becomes so, so crucial. Every year, every year it's important, but especially this year. And then the last point I have to say, even though I'm like, I'm not clowning on the trade. I'm just like not so high on it. I will admit that the freaking media or it, it, I feel like throughout the season is it's just going to be a bunch of hysteria and we might go through a little bit of ups and downs, peaks and valleys. And when we're down, if we lose four, five, six straight, it's going to be like, oh, the Lakers are horrible. So, that, I mean, that's going to happen. And it's going to be a bunch of overblown just media's crap. So it's not going to be as bad, I feel like, just to your guys' point, as people make it, like me, make it out to be. But... I don't know. It's just a bunch of stuff to figure it out, to figure out. And it's like, why jump through all those loopholes when you can really improve your team with Buddy Heald, keep KCP. And there's a big argument to be made that if AD would have stayed healthy, I think we would have beat the Phoenix Suns. So it's like of the ceiling at the end of the day, what the Lakers did with this trade you got the absolute best player that you could have got with the value that you had to offer other teams. There's not a more talented basketball player that they could have gotten than Russell Westbrook with what they had to Kyle offer. Kyle Lowry's a better player than Russell Westbrook. He probably wasn't coming to the L.A., though. Like, a, he probably wasn't coming, and B, I would disagree. Kyle Lowry is not a more talented basketball player. Than not Russell talented. Westbrook. He's just a better player. A better fit. He's just a better player. He's not a more talented player, but he's just a better player. You think Kyle Lowry's better at basketball than Russell Westbrook? Yes, I do. That's another discussion. I would, I would right now, right now, that. I've right seen now? Kevin Hart block Kyle Lowry's shot. I'm not. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's not. I would disagree. That's not to knock Kyle Lowry as a player. I think he's a good player, another All Star caliber player. But the ceiling between the two players right now, I think Russell Westbrook clearly the better player. Point being, this is the best player that you could have gotten, and it's an all-star caliber player. A player that, in the right situation, and I'm not sure we've ever seen Russell Westbrook really touch, scratch the surface of who the best he could be as a basketball player, because he's always either been in situations where he's forced to take on a lot more than should be asked of any player, or it's been an awkward fit, and then maybe that for a brief moment in Houston there was something there, but it was like a glimpse. For I mean, right? for a month I'm in Houston, sure I thought he got there. Like that was that's why right. it's a glimpse. That's why. But what I'm saying is, like, if he has a situation in which he can sustain that level of of finite role over the course of a season and stick to it. I'm not sure that we're not looking at the best version of Russell Westbrook this season, or the potential to see the best version of Russell Westbrook. The potential is the potential is there, but you got to figure it out. My fear is Ben Simmons see pushing that out Joel. No, scared, no, Julio, scared. yeah, yeah. I'm scared. I'm scared of what this this dude is gonna gonna bring to our team. I, I don't want a Ben Simmons pushing out Joel Embiid to the three point line like like maybe last year he did. Not not this past year, but the previous years. Joel Embiid was at his best this year. Why? 
Why was he an MVP discussion? Because his ass put himself on the block. That's where AD needs to be on the inside. If Russell Westbrook is on the short corners and just in the paint, and you're pushing AD to the outside, you're not letting AD be the most effective. And AD, in my opinion, is the mo- not the most important player, but he's the one that needs to... Just like I said before, he's the one that needs to score the most points. He's the one that needs to be the most assertive. And if he's not on the inside, that's not happening. Here's here's the difference. I mean, not the difference, but like what what I guess your fear versus like where I see like a lot of potential. Because I do think AD's at his best when he's on the block. And what happens when AD gets on the block? He commands so much attention. And what happens when somebody commands attention? It opens up space for dynamic cutters to do what they do best. So when AD's on the block and everybody's glancing over there to see what the hell's going on, Russell Westbrook's right through there shooting for oh, a dunk. Wait, like, it's, oh, wait. It's, oh, wait. Like, oh, wait. Oh, wait. Like, that's basketball 101, man. Like, if oh. if AD learns how to pass out, well, I mean, not even learns. He knows how to pass out of it. We've seen that. We've oh, seen wait. AD be able to do that. Oh, wait. I'm a double off Russ. Double oh. off of Russ? That's yeah. probably what they would do. They would want Russ to shoot. And it's like, you know, if you just... <laughs> sustain yourself or restrain yourself I should say it's like there's a lot of potential for a good basketball if this offense is predicated on ball movement and player movement and that's all offenses are we saw that with Monty Williams oh, man I wish we had Monty Williams but that's neither here nor there I mean, we all, if we these also, players like I was saying, go ahead. I mean we also shouldn't overlook the fact that like LA is somewhere Russ wants to be right the home like the hometown factor right very like the much local, like not to overblow. Give me DeMar DeRozan. There's already there's already been a lot of people talking about you know like the Mamba mentality is back and everyone loves saying this stuff. But again, it's like it's something to be said that you you, you have three players that want to be on the Lakers. Want to be there. Want each other to be there. Right. DeMar like, DeRozan. All of these things are important. What DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan wanted to be there. At a cheaper price than forty-seven million. He can still pull. He can still pull up if he wants to. Shoot, we still got the MLE right. With no depth. If we had DeMar DeRozan on this team, we wouldn't need depth. No. I'm sorry. Like, that's that's too much of an overload. No depth, no shooting. So, uh, ima- imagine bad. Westbrook, DeMar, yeah, just F shooting, right? I mean, Honestly, you, you, yeah. said, you said he can win you a championship, right, Julio? No, you know yeah, but it has to be somewhat balanced. Yeah, yeah, you can double down on what you're great on. And playing on the inside is definitely something that can still win championships, but you still have to be able to shoot and score from the outside, which none of those guys can do. The best guy or, or the best, I guess, scoring option from the outside on the on that team, if it was a big four, would LeBron would be LeBron doing this? <sighs> Dribble right, look at the ball, snatch it back, fade away to the left. And then he's going to come down. He's going to make it. He's going to come down, shoot a half-court shot, and then he's going to airball it. And then we're going to go back. Can I say a little bit controversial? Go ahead. Like, I'm not mad when LeBron shoots threes anymore. I'm not. Like, he be hitting them. He he hits that. Like, he he does. You can't say that LeBron does not hit his threes. He shot, like, what, 38? At a 33% clip. It was not 33. We can go online with that right now. At a 30. He's, like, right under 34. At this point in his career, like... Like yeah, I mean, uh, James, we, I'm looking it up right now. We, I'm pretty sure he was pushing like 37, 38. He, he, I mean, he can shoot for sure. I just like he's not a trustworthy shooter, but he can shoot. 
Yeah, I think that's just narratives because we didn't think because we saw him like very viscerally adapt his three point shot. So there was a period of time where it was like, "What is you doing, bro?" But like now, like he hits that. Let me, let's let me see because I'm pretty. He shot 36.5 the year before, thirty four point eight. The year before the year before thirty three point nine. Right, like that's what I'm saying. We saw this like process in which he was clearly like, "I'm going to develop a three point shot." And over the past three years, it was like six threes a game. It gets blown out of pro- thirty four to thirty five to thirty six. Like this it gets, is clearly something that he's working on. <laughs> that, that's league average. That's league average right there. You a hater, man. League average that's is thirty five. Like you be calling me the non Lakers fan, but I swear you say more hating shit about the Lakers. Than no, because I care about them so much. That's why you just like laughing at us and then hopping on the bandwagon when we're on. And then when we suck, like in the in the later, Kobe I just sat years, here and justified to you why this team could be great. And, and, and he the, was like, oh, in the latter, in the latter, we should have got Buddy Hield. We should have got Buddy Hield. We should have, we should have kept KCP. We should. I'm telling you why this team could be like an all time great team. I mean, no, no. At the end of the day, I, I mean, I'm not saying we can't win the championship. I'm just saying, like, there's some flaws in in the mental process. You just gotta yeah. figure it out. That's all. That's all. But. We coming up on an hour here, y'all. Any parting words? Why don't we talk about this briefly? It's somewhat obvious, but, you know, it could be fun just to throw some names out there. How do the Lakers need to fill out the rest of this roster? Obviously, you need shooting. Obviously, you need defending. What, is there any other attributes that you feel like they need to be looking um, for? Right now? So, AD playing more time at the five, but it needs... Okay, here's here's my fear with that. That he's not actually going to be playing as a true five. It's because he's a great shot blocker. But when we were at our, I guess, most lethal defensively, we had AD and Dwight, AD and JaVale, and literally nobody could go inside. Now, did it present some problems on the offensive end? Sure. But that's where we kind of made our mark and kind of how we won the championship, right? So we can't do that anymore. Not, not, Not with... This big three. And so AD kind of gives me cause to concern, not only because of the injury, not only because he can be kind of shy away sometimes. So that kind of um, thing that I felt like we needed to add kind of goes down on the list of priorities. So now where we need to look is uh, uh, at a a position for a player that we traded away, and that's Kyle Kuzma. I, I said before that Kyle Kuzma, as much as I may not like him, I feel kind of at his mercy because he was our only wing other than LeBron, right? So the guys that I would be looking at are guys like Trevor Ariza, guys who can shoot a little bit and defend. Um, Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay is not a great defender. He shot, pretty, uh, I think, he 38% from three last year, but it hasn't been consistent at all. Um, and then people say Melo. I don't want Melo at all. Uh, Doug, McDerm- Doug McDermott, I would look at with the taxpayer mid-level ex- exception, which is just under $6 million. Um, but the biggest guy that Doug I would go... Doug McDermott under, like, that much money? I feel like we could allocate that money better. Just under $6 million? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I That's would. That's a lot of money for Doug, Doug McDermott. McDermott. I, might, I might pay Doug McDermott, like, three mil. Sure. I mean, whatever he takes. I mean, that that's that's fair. That's fine with me. Like whatever he takes. Um, and then the the last thing, but the last guy I would look towards, maybe not maybe not go hardest after, but uh, I already said his name, Niang. 
Niang would be a, a phenomenal fit on this team. Agreed. Um, and then Svi Mikhailuk and, Mikhailuk and uh, Wayne Ellington would also be two guys that would maybe so look at. Here's a name that is a free agent that we've yet to mention. Uh, might might uh, bring up some uh, PTSD, but... Reggie Bullock? Nanny Green. Oh. Uh... Anyone? I know. I know, like, we I had mean, some memories of Danny Green, but, like, in theory, that's, like, a really good fit. I mean, LeBron always needs a scapegoat, right? So, no, I'm kidding. Like, I mean, of course he'd be a good fit. I mean, if you ask me, uh, I think what the Lakers really need and what every team needs is, you know, the intangibles, the veteran leadership. So, I think, you we know. We got Jared Dudley. I'm saying, yeah, but they might as well go get Udonis Haslam as well. You know, like they <laughs> You can lead a discussion. You're not serious. You're not taking this no, serious. I mean, you, you can go. No, I think I think I think I think I think they need a score. So Rudy Gay, like come on down. I already said it last episode, you know. I think How do we feel about Lou Will? No. 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 Why not? But no no, th- that's a good point because it, it reminds me of one of my needs that I mentioned um in, in the previous episode, and that's a guy who can get Oh, this, this is an important point that I wanted to make on Russ. Um, a guy, just like you mentioned, Eddie, a guy who can go get his own buckets and a score off the bench. Now, Russell Westbrook can put a lot of points up. Doesn't mean you a scorer, bro. He's not a scorer. AD can put a lot of points up. He's probably the best scorer out of the three, like pure scorer. Because LeBron's not a scorer, but he can put a lot of points up. So you need a guy, and I, I see where you were going with Lou Will. Fourth, fourth most points in NBA all-time, not a scorer. That's kind of funny. That's, I don't know, like. He, He's not he, a scorer. He said, you just don't think he got a bag, bro. Just say it. No, don't got but, a bag. no, no, no. Okay. Like, he doesn't have he a go-to score move, maybe. Like, yes, and what's his go-to freaking move? Going literally just driving on the inside, whatever, and that's fine. And 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 that's that's totally fine, but he's not doing that at a consistent level or on a you know game to game basis, even in the playoffs. I feel like so when you can't depend on that, when you can't depend on that, like his motor being at a hundred percent, then what else you got to depend on? I got to depend on you going, you know, in and out. Back a dude up, maybe fade away. And his fadeaway turnaround jumpers have gotten better. But we don't have a score on our team. No, I see what you're saying. I just think it's funny that we'll, we'll call dudes that are, like, top 10 all-time NBA scores and say, like, nah, they, they weren't a scorer, you know. Like, how, he's not. How do we feel about... There was another dude on... Wait, hold up. This guy's a free... If Bobby Porter's, like, denies his player option, which he honestly should. Like, he's only getting $3 million. No, yeah, he can, get, he can get more than that. But I was gonna add Bobby Portis to the list, but he's gonna stay with Milwaukee. He wants to guys stay with their team. Reportedly, he said, "Like I'm living, for, you know, like I got my championship. I'm trying to live like a like a you know. I'm trying to do what's best for okay, me but or whatever." What can we pay him? Not we have no other countries. teams will pay him probably. I wouldn't be mad at Austin Rivers. I wouldn't be mad. Austin, at Austin Rivers would be okay. Um. Yeah, I'm just looking through. But just a bunch right of now. like. Langston Galloway. I don't know why that name came to mind. That's interesting. If the if if um Charlotte is just willing to like let Devontae Graham walk because they have an overload of guards, 
I would definitely like to see Devontae Graham. He can play. Um, how how would we get him? I don't know what sort of salary he would demand. I have no clue where his. We we only we only the biggest thing we have is the taxpayer mid level exception. I know. So I would say if he's worth six million, then we could get him. Well, he's not a free. I don't know what he. Is he? He's yes, a he is. Club option. He is, or a restricted free agent, I should say. That's what I'm saying. They would have to like. He's be a. Willing he's to a free agent. Um, who's and if you, names on here? And if you want to give him a contract, you'd have to sign and trade for him, which would hard cap you. Which. No, you wouldn't. He's a restricted we, free agent. We don't. They have would just have. We wouldn't have a squad. We wouldn't have a team. We wouldn't have to sign and trade for him if he's a restricted free agent. They would just have to like relinquish their rights to him, right? If they're willing to, if Michael Jordan wants to do that, you know, he gonna mess with us, right? It's Michael Jordan. Um, man, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at names right now. Stall. There, was, there was a name on here that stalling the, end what, of the podcast. I'm just no, I'm kidding. Stalling. PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker would be interesting. Oh, I wouldn't be mad at that. I, feel like, I don't feel like PJ Tucker played particularly well. I, I remember thinking yeah. this like during the season. Paul Millsap is the type of dude to play his last year, and then like on the Lakers. Yeah, just no, to, no, he, he just, is, just because he, he played against LeBron yeah. his entire life, you know, like just yeah. to ride the coattails and then retire. Just has like you know veteran I, leadership, eleventh man on the team. No, I, still, I, I still think I, he has. I totally something. agree. He's like I, I that type of player. Something. Yeah. Give me Jamichael Green. Reagan's dude, Jamichael Green, before that would be nice. But I feel like he'd pick up his player option. I'm not sure he he could find that much money elsewhere. Um, man, there was somebody else that I was interested in. My bad, y'all. I'm tripping. You guys didn't like when I said Otto Porter, right? Oh, remember how much money do we think Victor Oladipo is worth right now? That was what I wanted to say. That's a good question. Because oh. if Victor Oladipo can be had for $6 million, I would pay Victor Holy Oladipo $6 shit. million in a heartbeat on upside alone. On upside alone. The dude couldn't... Like, I, if, if he didn't play a minute for the Lakers this year, I would be, like, content having made that gamble on his upside alone. Because I think... I mean, dude was an all-star. I, I, I'll... I'll uh, mm, that, that's tough. That, that's tough for me because... He's a score. He can be a score off the bench, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And what's his three point percentage like? It was like thirty. It wasn't bad. It was like it's like average. I think average. I think he was under thirty last year, but. Oh yeah, I mean last year was last year. Holy crap! It's just like again because you only have one slot to work with for that exception. But I think right. I see what you're saying. I'll I'll tell you guys a move that I would make. What's that? I'm gonna give, Chicago Bulls. A point guard. They need a point guard. I'm going to sign and trade Dennis Schroeder to the Dennis Chicago Bulls. I mean, we, we, that, that, I mean, why not? Why not? Like, he wants to go elsewhere. Like, he wants to like, go why, elsewhere. Why, why would he? Because, because there's not, well, let me, let me, let me just say, let me, let me just say, like, there's a lot of point guards maybe hitting the market, number one, and not as many teams looking for a point guard. So if the Knicks slot gets taken up, if the Celtics slot gets taken up, and if every other slot gets taken up, then he's not going to have a choice but to go back to the Lakers and say, hey, let's negotiate a sign and trade with another team. Okay, what team do you want to look toward or, or would be interesting to you? And what if he said the Chicago Bulls would, would be okay with him? I would look at Thaddeus Young and Sadoransky 
Sadoransky would be elite. That would be elite. Give me, give me Sadoransky and Thaddeus Young, and I'll give you um, Dennis Schroeder, and I don't know what else I can give you. But THT can go. I love you, THT, but go home to Chicago. But do you would do, would you guys like that Thaddeus? Uh, Thaddeusky, like if we could come into the season with Sadoransky, that would be Thaddeus. But that imagine Thaddeus Young, imagine Thaddeus Young next to AD at the five. Like that would that, be nice. Be, I mean, I'm. But Russell Westbrook's already taken the five. So. I mean, y'all know how I feel about Chicago's role players. So like, yeah, Thaddeus and Sadoransky are amazing on a lot of teams. Also, before we dip, your boy Rubio. I guess the Bulls ain't. They ain't gonna they, get him. Next they keep year. on finding ways to put Rubio on like worse teams and he was on the Timberwolves last year like how do you go from a team worse than the Timberwolves and you're a player who could ideally help out a playoff team like right now I, I mean I really don't understand it but anyways I don't know I I, I, don't, I don't I don't even know how I got to the point where I became a you know holding the cape for Ricky Rubio but he really deserves a lot better free Sadoransky and free Thaddeus Young that's all I gotta say because we ain't free in Bradley Beal. And that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. Thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, go check out the socials. Y'all know where it's at, at Hoop Holler Pod. Uh, yeah, we'll catch y'all. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.